0: It's a Numbers Game with your host, Gil Alexander. want those
1: idiots who believe in analytics. Good Tuesday morning to you. It is a Numbers Game right here at Visa, the sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa, Nav, Fubo, Sling, Gay Plus, iHeartRadio, however you're taking us in this morning. I appreciate it very much. Uh, on the show today, Mark Borchard will join us from his Undisclosed location somewhere in the desert. Uh, It is our Q3 baseball segment that we're going to do with Mark. Uh, a little later on the show, for those who don't know about the quarterly shows in baseball, and again, it's not precise because I get it. There's like 38 games on average left for every team, but we try to get get as close to the uh, quarter poll as possible here for Q3. Uh, we go through widely available stats, a return on investment of teams, uh, some uh, some money line and run lines. We look at uh, starting pitchers, we look at umpires, and Mark has historical data to see uh, if that is if umpires' performances on over and unders is. Considered Consistent with their historical data, and then we get a little more granular. We'll do first five innings from a betting perspective, and then proprietary information that you will only find on this show, first inning pitcher information. We will do that with Borchard a little later on. Pete Futak will join us, his favorite week zero and week one bets in college football. And this uh, new alliance that is going to be announced later today um, in college football between three conferences, spearheaded by the Pac-12. We'll find out what that means uh, as well. And momentarily, Drew Densick to join us from the uh, Bet the Edge podcast and, of course, the Deep Dot podcast to talk tennis U.S. open upon us this week, end of week. Uh, Quali's already starting today. We're not betting those. Uh, and uh, a little NFL because I want to get some macro sort of – Thoughts from Drew about what we saw last night, and generally speaking, I think we are all missing. I think most of us are missing the biggest point of this particular preseason, moving forward in the regular season. And I want to bend uh, Drew's ear about it, see what he thinks. Uh, first, though, yesterday I just want to I just want to say this. So we didn't have like official tennis picks yesterday, off of our nine one and one or nine two and one, depending on where you bet that Jen Brady match. Cincinnati Open performance, so uh, either eleven, either plus eleven units, at on a nine one and one, or around nine plus units at nine two and one. Yesterday, went ahead and gave out two plays that weren't official plays because the men are in Winston Salem, the women are in Cleveland and Chicago, and it was I sort of cautioned, had the warning of look, there's only a few days before the U.S. Open, for those that are going to play in that major, that are playing in these. Uh, what are these 250 events remember there's 250 there's 500 there's a thousand before you get to the slams uh, reflected by the purse and therefore the and and then it follows the players that end up playing these You just don't know what some of the motivations are going to be. If if a player's down a set or if they're down a set and a break, maybe they just pack it in and they're like, you know what, my time is better spent actually getting ready for New York City and the U.S. Open. So I I don't go strong on these. It's not like we're going to tally up a record. That said, I just want to say uh, the tennis continues to be great because yesterday I said, look, I'll tell you what my numbers tell you, what my two plays would be, and I would only put a little on it. But they both hit. Uh, Teresa Martinkova on the ladies' side. uh, She beat Serana Cerstea as a plus-121 dog. That hit as well. So did Alexei Poparin over the American, the porn-stashed Stevie Johnson. Uh, Alexei Poparin as a minus-102. Was he plus-102 at the time? I'm not sure exactly. During the show, I actually got him at a worse number, minus-112. Despite that number going way against us, Poparin gets it done as well. So... I'll just say it one more time because nobody is going to sustain a program on talking about tennis all day. But if you're aller- unless you're allergic to money, I'm not really sure what else to tell you. the, the main point of this isn't, and, and we never want to get too, too uh, ahead of our bridges. Uh, what's the what's the word above our bridges? What's the, th- the statement? I can't remember. Um, too big for our bridges. Thank you. No one told me that. I'm just thinking randomly. Um, the the issue is. It, it could all, you know, you know how sports betting is. If, if we don't have a good U.S. Open, everybody's going to forget about everything. Just like we had a couple bad days at the beginning of the French Open, and everyone was like, oh, my God. you're Yeah, okay, what about, like, all the five plus 250s and plus 300s we hit the week before? So it's always, you always got to keep humble with this stuff. But we will have two more tennis leans and two pet tennis plays. Again, don't go strong on these this week. But I do have two today as well, and we will get to those uh, as the show continues because they are playing this tournament, and to me, they're still the best bets in all of sports betting today, no matter where you look. So we'll get to those momentarily as well. Oh, and uh, Brian McFadden from Primetime Action last night. Might steer you towards a football bet. It's Gil Alexander. It is a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app, Fubo Sling Game Plus. We'll rerun that Brian McFadden video a little later on the show because he convinced me to make a week one bet. But let's bring in Drew Dinsick. He's kind enough to join us each and every Tuesday morning. Love starting Tuesdays with him from the Bet the Edge podcast from NBC Sports Edge. And, of course, Deep Dive. It's it's Densic Classic, as we like to call it, the Deep Dive Podcast with Andy Molitor and the Whale. You can follow him at Whale underscore Capper. The great Drew Dinsick, where are you at, man? Look at you! And the- uh, just yeah, just out in the backyard
2: today. Having a little uh, audio visual problems in the studio, so we get to get to do the show outside. But it's a nice day, so all good here.
1: And once again, it's like we all aspire to be Drew. Look at look at the life he leads back there. Not a fake background. His actual backyard. Somewhere in uh, Southern Cali. So I want to start with one Jaguar-specific question, then I want to get to the thing that I think all of us are missing the most about preseason heading into the the regular season, this year specifically. One, the Jaguars. This is going to be a sort of long preamble here because it's a bit of an oral history but I've brought this up on no less than, no fewer than three occasions here in the off season. Once I brought it up with, I think right around the draft, maybe before, maybe after with uh, our own Michael Lombardi, who knows more about football than all of us combined. And I sort of said, are we sure that Trevor Lawrence is generational? And before I could even finish the sentence, Lombardi was like, he is, he's absolutely, you know, above the fray and he's, he's going to be spectacular. Okay. even though I made the point, I was like, look, when his final games, both of his two college football seasons, one in the championship, one in the semis, he was always the, He was the second best quarterback on the field in both of those, Joe Burrow and Justin Fields being the other quarterbacks. So then we do this thing on primetime action, which you've been kind enough to join us with, uh, Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin, where we do 32 teams and 32 shows, and we did the Jaguars day. I interrupted Matt Brown, who was in the middle of his spiel, and I said, hey, I just think the question needs to be asked. Are we sure he's going to be great? Um, Which he thought was a fair question, too. And then last night, after a week where, you know, the offensive line crushed him in in week one of the preseason, again, I think it deserves just being raised. And I say it to you, Drew, like, are we so sure, and I get he's going to start week one, but are we so sure he's going to be generational? Man. No, <laughs>
2: I mean, uh, his obviously his preseason performances have not been especially impressive, and um, you know there's a kind of a. a- there are more than just your talent factor when it comes to, are you going to succeed at the NFL level? Uh, A lot of it depends on what organization you land in, how you're developed to be an NFL quarterback. And there are huge questions swirling about that because the Jaguars have not proven to be a stable place to develop talent. And, you know, Urban Meyer is making his first ever foray into the NFL this year, running this franchise. And it's, there are absolutely questions swirling in the back of my head. I think, uh, I mean, it's, obvious the way i pop yeah i mean i'm not betting into the trevor you know the trevor lawrence offensive rookie of the year market even though he's the only guy that you think has high confidence to start uh, you know all 17 weeks uh it's still not a situation that i'm in love with that they're gonna have you know have and find offensive success this year um i bet into the jags to win the south in april before the draft at a great number i was ex- ex- excited to see 11-1 to was available at the time uh, and i've regretted it pretty much every day <laughs> since i don't think i don't think that they really have a vision here that looks like it's going to find success this year and it may never find success i mean you know there's there's plenty of examples of uh, college coaches coming to the nfl level and not succeeding and there's plenty of examples of guys you know, who were plucked from the college ranks, who were determined, you know, who are, who were absolute no doubters. They were going to succeed at the NFL level and they never did. So, you know, the hit rate's not a hundred percent. And if you are yeah. operating under the assumption that this is the next Andrew luck, this is the next Peyton Manning in terms of talent. And he will not, there's no chance he will, uh, you know, will not succeed. Then I think you're probably doing yourself a little bit of a disservice. Yeah. Uh, all that's all that said, they could still win the South. The South looks so weak right now. Uh, I'm blown away by, you know, what that division you know that the strength of that division top to bottom relative to the rest of the afc which is super competitive so you know cra- crazier things could happen but uh, nothing that ha- that has happened so far for the jags in this preseason gives you any modicum of confidence that they're going to actually put up a real challenge
1: yeah and i and i said are we sure he's going to be generational i mean i might have said it. Are we sure he's going to be good? And yeah. one of the things you talked about is the context. And I think it's the single most underrated thing in football for years and years and years. I've said many times on this show, and I, was I'm a, I am a Washington football team fan, have been for my whole life. And I always contend, I was like, if Peyton Manning was drafted by the Washington football team and had a different coordinator and a different coach every single year, He's still Peyton Manning, and he comes from pedigree. I'm not sure he would have sucked, but he never would have become the Peyton Manning we know. And I can't prove that, Drew. I can't prove it to anybody. But, like, we forget about context in football more than more than any other sport, right? In basketball, you got talent. You're going to shine wherever you end up in some form. But, man, if you end up in the wrong situation, and I think Trevor Lawrence might be, this has to do more with Urban Meyer than any, than anything. I think he might be in the worst situation possible. Urban Myers never had to deal with a bad line, right? When he was at Ohio State, when he was at Florida, he never even had to worry for a second about his O-line being dominant. Now it's like this brand new thing he's going to have to deal with.
2: Yeah, no. There were moments and flashes where you got reports from camp about what they were doing to kind of get guys ready. Uh, The beat reporters were glowing about the offensive line and their depth. And this unit's going to surprise. And then you see them on the field actually trying to produce. And it is nowhere close to NFL level. Uh, So it is uh, these are valid valid questions. And, um, you know, I'm I'm actually surprised. That uh, you can still get a couple of look ahead lines against them later on in the season. I mean, obviously, week one they're going up against the Texans, and the Texans are an equally dis, you know equal state yes. of disrepair. Actually, the Texans are are the 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 least desirable franchise you would want to have stock in if you were just kind of playing that game. Uh, across all 32 teams. But, uh, you know, they're they're still three and a half point favorites over the Texans. And then uh, you know, after that, their first six games are relatively soft. They're all coin flips. And, you know, really having any enthusiasm about the Jags, it was entirely born out of this idea of uh, you know, they could surprise early. They could win a couple of these coin flips. They could be four and two uh, through six weeks. And at that point, you know, you may have a couple of divisional, you know, division wins. uh, And then that's, you know, that's probably the time you want to pounce on one of the other Contenders, because you know, ultimately the Colts or the Titans likely win that division. Um, But uh, it's yeah, the nothing about what the Jags. Um, you know, are the way that they've situated themselves for this season has inspired any confidence. And, you know, their preseason performance last night was pretty, uh, pretty unimpressive. And all that said, you really shouldn't overreact to the preseason. Who knows exactly what their, you know, what their thought process was going into that game. Maybe they had an absolutely outstanding week of practice and they were like, okay, we're going to work on the things that didn't work in practice this week. You know, those sort of things absolutely color your impression of a lot of these teams in the preseason. And I think just in general, this year's preseason, after last year not having a preseason, I think that kind of snapped the spell of how a lot of these coaches really even approach these games. Um, it, they have felt even less meaningful than usual. Okay, <laughs> so, I, so
1: Drew, so, I, I, I want to yeah. interrupt you there because that's exactly yeah. what I what I want to seize on next. But let me just wrap up the Jaguars thing. Trevor sure. Lawrence, 14 of 23 for 113. No touchdowns, no picks. So we was sacked once. Jaguars lose 23 to 21 in a game where Marquez Calloway should go straight to the preseason Hall of Fame after his first quarter yesterday too. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> catches. Uh, and, and I think, by the way, just putting this in, through a betting lens, I think the alternate total uh, low, the alternate low win total on the Jaguars at five and a half, the under is plus 190. That may be catching some of my money here in the next couple of days, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that's not crazy. And, yep. and
2: realistically, like they're either going to over, they're going to over or under that total. Don't don't play into the standard line
1: for the right. Jags if you're going to bet them. Totally yeah. agree. Which you and I have talked about how we think that that alternate season win total is is such the the bet to make in so many cases because the pricing uh, is, for lack of a better term, off. And we'll leave it at that <laughs> for now. But the the bigger question now about preseason. So, this is it. You're just talking don't read too much into preseason. This is what we've known to be the case our whole lives when watching preseason. But let me spin this the other way this year specifically, Drew. And I'm curious your thoughts. So, it's the first year where we're going to three games. And the fourth week is now replaced by an off week. Uh, And so typically we always knew that week three of the preseason was going to be the dress rehearsal. It was universal across the league. Uh, This year we're going to find out some teams. Yes, some teams not really. They'll just treat it like any old game where they're not playing their key players, which brings me to the point. Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey started a wave of like skipping bowl games, which for me was like, how how come this didn't happen sooner? Now we have the bizarro preseason NFL version of this, which is a completely different animal. And I think, I'm beginning to think, this is the single biggest thing we're missing with this preseason, that what we're not seeing actually matters, right? Not what we're seeing, but what we're not seeing. So Dak Prescott's not getting any reps. The Giants, for the life of me, I have no idea. They're not playing Daniel Jones. You have situations where I think the Chargers are not playing Justin Herbert either. But there's, there's specific cases around this league where guys aren't getting rep, reps on the field. There's the, they're not getting the chance to be cohesive. I think we could have some disastrous performances in week one <laughs> from some of these teams who aren't getting their reps. I really think this is a thing, Drew. Am I wrong? Am I off base on that?
2: Uh, it's not crazy. Um, I, I've had that thought in the back of my head as well. But I have also kind of add to this discussion that there are a lot of beat reporters who have been attending the joint practices, and what they've been saying after seeing the preseason games between those same two teams is that there's sort of an underlying trend where the the kind of the a the a plan the this is what we'd like our identity to be on offense. They're running them in those joint practices, and then they get to the preseason game, and it is straight vanilla. And it seems intentional on a lot on the part of a lot of these coaches to disguise and not put on tape what their identity is, what their game plan is going to be, what the wrinkles that may be different from last year are. They want that element of surprise week one, and that can cut. So it can cut both ways. And I would I would say for the likes of the Giants, I mean. Uh, that that ish situation with Daniel Jones and uh, combined with Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator is one that if you want to make some bets against them on the basis that that's not going to work either because they haven't gotten the reps in preseason or because it's just a bad pairing in general, that either one is fine. (laughs) I don't think you're, that's
1: what I wanted to hear. You're not, you're
2: not making a You're not stepping into something uh, unexpected trap where Jason Garrett's going to have the most plus EV offense you've ever seen. You you don't, (laughs) you don't see it coming. Like I, I, I we, we know he is who he is. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know, evaluating a team like the Eagles based on the way they played against the Patriots in their last preseason game, I I would I would say be a little bit cautious about that. I would agree. Every, yeah, every report was the Eagles were incredible in their in their uh, joint practices against the Patriots, and in fact, the Patriots underwhelmed in those practices. And so the fact that the Eagles kind of kicked their feet up in the game and were like, "Well, our job is done for the week," meanwhile the Patriots were like, "Well, we have something to prove because we were so poor all week." Like that, yeah, that makes. like there's a there, there there's a narrative there that i can buy into a little bit um and so you know there are definitely case by case where i would say uh you know you can take some information out of these preseason games and use it in a forward sense and then others where there's really nothing to do at all with the information and i think really last year not having a preseason uh just like you were saying with you know some of the the key players at running backs sitting out of the bowl games i think it snapped the spell I think a lot of NFL coaches were like, man, what are we really getting out of this? I guess nothing, <laughs> you know, and and so there is for sure – um I think a new era of what to expect in these preseason games. And if next year we have two, I won't be surprised at all. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the, I don't think the product has been especially good. I I don't you know, there's there's been a couple of these where we were doing halftime shows and so we were forced to watch the entire first half so we could comment <laughs> on the halftime. And I was like, Well can't do this, man. We're watching <laughs> the Chiefs Cardinals and they had the first team offense out there for the Chiefs and I was you know, it's just like uh, the commercials and the uh you know, the lack of uh you know of of really anything from an entertainment standpoint, as you wound down that half was just—it was stark—and uh, you know this is not a good product. The NFL knows it; they're trying to winnow it down so that it you know becomes less of a uh, you know less of a portion of their overall season, uh, and I, that's the right move. Um, and I think the coaches are in the same boat where they realize this isn't really doing them a ton
1: of value. Right. right. Of course well, of the season, you know. we always thought it was going to get down to two weeks. I was a little surprised that it only got down to three. I think eventually it will be two weeks again. But the only difference between last year and this year is that nobody played last year right and i think this year you have this weird dynamic where some teams are handling it one way uh, other teams are handling it a completely different way and so i think we have again the first time we're ever seeing a three-week situation where different coaches have decided to play it differently and that could create some opportunities in week one speaking of which we have only two minutes here before the break what have what have you bet in week one
2: uh, well, I got a good number on the Bucks at six and a half before sort of the Dak Prescott news was swirling, uh, and pushed that one up to seven, seven and a half. If, at this point, if you like the Cowboys, I would take seven and a half because I think you'll probably get confirmation that Prescott plays, and that's going to come back down to seven. If you like the Bucks, I would wait until you see a seven. You may even get a six and a half again, uh, but that's uh, that's what I got for opening night. Um, I, I think the Bucks win that one by uh, double digits personally. Uh, and then we, on Sunday, I played into a number of totals so far. My favorite look by far is the uh, Jets, Carolina Panthers over 43. I think that realistically that should close about 46. Um, and I think you have, t- t- you, I said this the other day to my friends and they got a good laugh out of it, but this is the only time in your entire life where you're going to get to bet against the removal of Adam Gase on both offenses, because you have Sam <laughs> Darnold right. out of that of Adam Gase, you know, fold and you have the jets offense out of the Adam Gase fold. Uh, and so the, you know, the fact that that was lined at 43, I think is hysterical. Um, and then uh, I, I bet the under on uh Cincy, Minnesota. I think you probably have two relatively conservative offensive approaches there just based on the situations and, you know, defenses that should take a meaningful step forward from last year. Um, and then I bet the under on the Rams, um, Rams Bears game for Sunday night football at 45. Starting to feel a little concerned about that one because the Bears are scaring me uh, a lot about that Bears-, Bears team looks not the way I expected when I made that bet. Um, and then uh, I played the over on uh, Eagles uh, uh, Eagles Falcons at uh, 48. So those are mm. my my totals for uh, week one.
1: Very, very uh, strong group of totals. And our Matt Brown, who uh, is my co-host on Primetime Action, he also played the over in that Jets-Carolina game. So you To our simpatico on that, Uh, we'll come back five more minutes with Drew. U.S. Open tennis, it is upon us. Few days away, cannot wait to see what uh, Drew is thinking, what he has bet on both the men's and maybe the women's side. We'll find out next. It's Veasan's, a numbers game, right here on the Sports Betting Network.
0: a numbers game with Gil Alexander with when-
1: football season just around the corner. It's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM with all your favorite wager options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Just download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on this trip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport, whatever your betting style. You're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem call one 800 522 Forty-seven hundred. Skill Alexander, producer number seven. Jason Kahn is here as well. Didn't say hello to Jason earlier. You doing good? Good morning, Gil. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I was mentioning on uh, primetime last night my, my review of Hard Knocks after episodes one and two because I was trying to figure out what was bothering me about this year of Hard Knocks and, and it is that it feels like a country club. Like I just don't think the Cowboys training camp feels like it's the where are the battles? Where is the anger between players? Where's the friction between players and coaches? It just feels like a country club atmosphere. Zeke wrapping presents for Dak, that kind of thing. Also, like if you're going to make a documentary, which is what Hard Knocks is about the Cowboys, and you're talking about Micah Parsons and some guys in Dan Quinn and their defense, probably say the context is they're one of the epically, coming off one of the epically, most historically bad defensive seasons ever. Might want to throw that in. Anyway, that's my review of Hard Knocks. Episode 3 coming up this week. Drew Dinsick from Bet the Edge and the Deep Dive podcast. Uh, Bet the Edge over there at NBC Sports um, at whale underscore capper. Drew, do you watch Hard Knocks, by the way?
2: I watched a little bit of episode one, but uh, I felt the same way as you. I, I wasn't getting what I was looking for.
1: yeah. It, so I, <laughs> I called it quits. It's really, really <laughs> falling flat for me this year. All right, tennis, U.S. Open, the final major. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You, like myself, have a Daniil Medvedev Futures play here on the men's side. Yeah, that's,
2: uh, that's kind of been my perspective all along here as we've come through this swing, and nothing that I've seen really has changed my opinion. I was shocked that he lost to Rublev. That was absolutely shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, he has owned Rublev's soul for as long as I can remember watching those two play each other, and for Rublev to come from you know a very poor first set and come and scratch and claw and fight his way back into that was pretty impressive.
1: He ran uh, into ultimately. that camera, threw him off.
2: Yeah, Ultimate. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a very unusual circumstances and Medvedev does seem to kind of go into his zone when he's playing a match. And if something does, you know, offset, you know, t- you know if something does affect him, uh, it does tend to have repercussions on his performance. I don't know what that's about, but. Uh, we've seen that before, and that that's something to watch out for. Um, but ultimately, I think if they run up to, you know, if he runs up to Rublev in the um, in the uh, you know say quarterfinals, semifinals uh, at the U.S. Open, I would expect Medvedev gets through pretty cleanly. Too. Um best of five makes a huge difference. And and realistically, like the way Medvedev is playing right now, I, I do think he ought to be considered more of a favorite. Obviously, Djokovic is leading the market right now, and. Uh, you know, I understand why he's had an incredible year, and he's the only guy with any, you know, that has, uh, you know, major pedigree. Um, but his form you know at the at the olympics was was spooky um and you know he's he's obviously dealing with a number of injuries he's taken the entirety of the uh canada cincinnati swing off these guys you know meanwhile these younger players have all been um you know had the chance to play each other and you know multiple times now and you know really sharpen their games and um you know guys like zverev and sissipas and you know rublev uh you know are all extremely dangerous uh were they to come up against Djokovic, and i don't think any of them are really scared of him anymore after seeing, uh, you know, the way he went out at the Olympics. So I it's, agree. it's going to, it's going to be, uh, you know, and you know, by the way, you're talking about a bunch of younger players. If the conditions are, as we, Typically, see at Flushing Meadows in September. It's going to be hot, and that tends to have an impact on Djokovic more than the younger guys. Djokovic, in general, does not perform especially well in the heat. Some of his most underwhelming finals have been U.S. Open finals in the heat on Sunday, uh, and that's kind of been in the back of my mind as to what has opened the door for a player like Medvedev to beat him head to head in a U.S. Open final. So, um, yeah, yes, I completely understand that. You know, when he was peaking through the uh, French Open, Wimbledon swing. Um, he was unbeatable. And that player, I think, is behind us at this point, and him finding that form again for uh, this U.S. Open uh, fortnight would surprise me.
1: Yeah, no uh, Roger Federer uh, getting knee surgery. We may never see him again on a tennis court. No Rafa Nadal. Uh, I really do believe it's Joker, Medvedev, or Sasha Zverev. I don't see anybody else taking this Drew, realistically.
2: Yeah, if you told me that the final four is Djokovic, Zverev, Medvedev, and uh, sisipas I would I, I wouldn't blink. Yeah. Um, that's, that's you know, that it would take something pretty outrageous to upset those four from making the final four.
1: Okay. You got a runner, or you, you want to stay and give some ladies tennis Oh, yeah, thought? sure. Let's uh-huh. talk. Yeah, let's keep All talking right. some tennis. I was going to say give some thoughts on the ladies, but then I figured that wasn't the proper sentence. A ladies tennis, of course, the ladies side at the U.S. Open uh, coming back. I have made one of futures. I, I bet Med, Medvedev, by the way, plus 575. is the only nice. futures bet I have on the men's side. I have made one on the ladies side. Uh, obviously, much more wide open. Than what we just discussed, we'll get to that. We'll
2: be, yeah. yeah, I want to guess it. I want to try to guess.
1: Okay, we'll do that. We'll I actually, we'll I actually bet her recently in another tournament, so maybe you, uh, maybe you're hip to it. We'll find out what that is. And a couple tennis picks I have today. Don't go crazy on them. Uh, it's only Winston, Winston Salem, and Cleveland. For goodness' sakes. we'll do that next. Numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network.
0: To a numbers game with Gil Alexander. Now
1: that the NFL preseason has kicked off, it is the perfect time for you to huddle up with the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide available today. Today. The guide is only $19.99. Available right now, our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up for Visa and All Access. Get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at visa.com/slash subscribe. That's visa.com/slash subscribe. Again, shout out to Matt Humans and crew doing such a great job both the NFL, with both the NFL and college football betting guides. Uh, Mark Borcher to join us next hour. Talk Q3 Major League Baseball. We'll go through all the betting uh, stats, first fives, first innings, proprietary information. Looking forward to that. Um, so with Drew Dinsick, again, from Bet the Edge and the Deep Dive podcast, getting ready for football season, but also a little matter called the United States Open. Before we do that, here are my two two tennis plays for today, and I I give the same disclaimer as I I gave yesterday. They both ended up hitting, but please don't go crazy with these picks uh, here at at, uh, these sort of also-ran tournaments. Again, you just don't know if someone is also going to be in the U.S. Open. You don't know if they fall a a breakdown or a set down, if they just sort of pack it in. Uh, but the two plays that I did make today, uh, one on the men's side, one on the ladies' side, um, as part of this 11-1-1 run we're having, uh, Emil Roussevori I played today against Alexander Bublik, uh, Rusevori, who we've been on many times before. I got him at minus 105 last night. He's about minus 114 right now. I would still play him at that number. Don't let it get past minus 120. And then on the lady side, uh, again, just three cents better than it is now. You, this one's actually right around where it was. I did uh, take a flyer on Ali Alexandra Sasnovich at plus 123 against Nadia Podoroska. She's about plus 120 Sasnovich. Uh, I believe that's in Cleveland on the lady side. So Rusevori. For those who are going to tweet, and what was the tennis guy's name? It's the guy with <laughs> it's the guy with four U's in his last name. Russovori at minus one hundred five. Again, it's minus one fourteen right now against Bublik, and then Sasnovich at plus one twenty three, about plus one twenty now against Podorowska. Don't go crazy on these. Wait to go crazy next week, and I hope you and I hope you went crazy last week. You, you're not betting anything this week, are you, Drew?
2: No, you have nailed it. These tournaments are so sketchy. Yeah, I, I you know, Rusevoria. By the way, I think uh, maybe Finland's best ever tennis player. It's, uh, uh, n- and there, there may be some some guys from back in the day who were better, but this guy's he's he's got he's got pedigree. He's got potential. You
1: know what's interesting about uh, Finland is Sweden has this unbelievable tennis history, but somehow it didn't cross the border to Finland. So fascinating Scandinavian information for everybody, right here on the on the tennis channel. <laughs> by the way, Casper yep. Root is is from where? Norway. Norway. Yes, Norway. And yes. uh, and uh, yeah, he's following in
2: his uh, father's footsteps and, and uh, that's I right. think he think he's surpassed him in terms of uh, world ranking, but I I'm think not so. quite sure. Yeah. Um but Christian yeah, he's, he's rude. Saying, Christian rude. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was disappointed in his performance against Zverev at uh, at in the uh, tail end of Cincinnati. He really, uh, you know, I thought I thought he could compete. He would, the conditions were playing to his strength, and he really uh, showed that he was on a different level, yeah. uh, which was disappointing. Uh, but uh, Zverev, then,
1: Zverev, is, Zverev is on some kind of roll right uh, now, though. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I I didn't see this coming. I really didn't. He fixed whatever was in going on with his head with the double faulting issue. The second serve
1: is, yeah, yeah.
2: Now now his serve is unstoppable, and uh, I he is absolutely going to be a problem.
1: Yes, he is good. As as Naomi Osaka once said about Jen Brady, she is going to be a problem. I believe it was. <laughs> so okay, women's side. Speaking of speaking of Osaka, so Ash Barty, Ashley Barty, or as they say in Australia, Ash Barty, uh, she yep. is. Correctly, the short shot four to one per bet MGM. Again, this starts August thirtieth. The fortnight that lasts the September thirteenth into football season. That's how you know it's football season when the U.S. Open is winding down. Uh, but Barty is as as great as she is. She might even be playing better than she ever has on hard courts. Her numbers are elite. Four to one. Osaka, who has a lot swirling around in her head, she's five to one. I don't know that I could bet Naomi Osaka at this point. And then everybody else in double digits. Um, starting with Arena Sabalenka who just took over the, the world number two from Osaka in terms of the rankings and I guess the question, to you first of all, who do you think I bet? Who do, who do you think the one futures bet I played was?
2: I know who it was. I actually I don't know who it was, but I'm guessing it was uh, Jill Teichman, your girl. No, uh, who did it? So, was it? No, oh, e- even though she, I she was, yes, she was dancing through Cincinnati last week. I was like, oh, Gill's, yeah, he was. He's been on Teichman for Teichman Corner for so long. Like uh, this is uh, finally bearing fruit. She was uh, phenomenal. You didn't, you didn't go with Teichman, huh?
1: And not at. I didn't. I the the person I went with is the same person I went with at the Western and Southern Open pre flop tournament. Which was Barbara Barbora Krajikova at wow. eighteen to one, who I really feel like the market is treating her like this one-off French Open clay champion out of nowhere at the age of twenty-five, but it's not. I don't think her hardcore numbers are being reflected in the market. And if she had not run into Ash Barty, right? Like I think that's the one player that could have beaten her last week, and that's the one player who did. Same thing with Teichmann. I mean, Barty should be the short shot, but that, in terms of a value bet, Krajicek at eighteen to one. Have you bet anything here?
2: Uh, I haven't yet, but I like that look. Um, and you're, you know, Tennis has told you they've been very. I, you know, forthright about this. They are trying to make the court speeds closer between clay and hard court, mm-hmm. and the U.S. Open is one of the slower hard courts that we have, uh, particularly when it's a you know hot, humid type of conditions out there. So it's um, I, I don't think, at all think that there's you know a, you know huge gap in her uh, expected performance on clay versus this this particular tournament. So if you got eighteen to one, that's nice. Um, I haven't bet any women's. I did not expect to see Naomi Osaka in the five to one range. Um, and fa- I bet Osaka seven to one. I want I think for Australia, I believe that was my best number. And I, I, after what she did in Australia, my, in the back of my mind, I was like, Oh, we'll never see her in the five to seven to one range on hard court ever again in our lives <laughs> until she's like ready to retire. Um, and then lo and behold, she's at five to one. Now I'm my you know, my, uh, expectation is that the, you know, the, 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 conversation around her you know, mental health and her relationship with the media in particular I don't think that's realistically going to be a factor here if she's locked in and competing at the level we've seen uh, you know, from her on hard court majors she's obviously a past champion here that makes a big difference um, the fact that she kind of lets her guard down a little bit in the um, in the ancillary tournaments and that she was a little shaky particularly at home you know for the Olympics I'm, I'm fine giving her a pass for that and we know that she never really was going to be a Factor for uh, any of the clay or grass titles. So the fact that she kind of nailed in the summer, also not a huge shock to me. Um, realistically, she is still the best women's player on hardcore, even though, you know, that there's, you know, there's not anything to show for uh, that strength since her, uh, you know, win at Australia. Um, but, you know, five to one is a pretty favorable price for Osaka. And if, you know, you know, the fact that she came through that draw in Australia that was absolutely the draw of death, that she was able to get the best of all of those women when they were in peak form, uh, I I would still take a shot on Osaka
1: can't argue with it at one time we were talking about her like she's above the fray on hard courts and thinking that she should have the same dominance on grass and obviously it's been a uh, eventful year to say the least for her we'll see how she uh, plays here in Queens which as you mentioned Drew she has won twice she's won the U.S. Open twice 2018 and 2020 Drew you're the best I appreciate it as always man
2: Best of luck. Enjoy the tennis today.
1: Absolutely, Will. Drew Dinsing, everybody. Whale underscore capper. Deep dive with Andy Molitor and the Whale and Bet the Edge. Available where all podcasts are distributed. Let's talk some college football next. Pete Futek and this alliance that is going to be announced today. What does this mean in college football? It's next. It's a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. game with Gil Alexander no one raises the stakes for the English Premier League like BetMGM sign up for the BetMGM app using code VSIN100 and if your first wager is a one dollar money line bet on any EPL game you'll receive a hundred dollars in free bets if either team scores a goal the opportunities to win big this season don't stop there try BetMGM's one game parlay feature to make selections within a single soccer game download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code VSIN100 to win a hundred dollars when you bet on any English Premier League game and either team scores a goal fearlessly on dozens of sports at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. New customer offer. Paid-in free bets. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Skill Alexander. Every time we have these screens up in the studio, every time you look up somebody's doing a Jeopardy story, just give the job to LeVar Burton already. People's champion. Let's go. Reading Rainbow. Or Ken Jennings now that Mike Richards has shown himself to be what he was. Um, no. For those on Twitter wondering if I had an audition, I did not. Uh, OK, we get tweets at beating the book. Pete Futak standing by to give his favorite Week 0, Week 1 plays. Um, we get tweets, and I always appreciate the feedback. This is from Trip Tepper talking about Drew Densick and his appearance. Drew is getting very close to Lebowski territory with his look. All he needs is a white Russian in a rocks glass uh, in front of him. All right. Uh, And Drew responded to that by by saying, uh, that's just like your opinion, man, quoting the Big Lebowski or or channeling the Big Lebowski. Uh, Nicholas Griggs, those tennis plays from yesterday should officially be official. Thanks once again. Thank you, Nicholas, for the uh, shout-out. Again, two plays today. Uh, Again, don't go crazy on these. Drew concurs with me, you shouldn't go crazy on these, but I'm on Rusevori on the men's side, Sasnovich on the lady's side. Nemesis Enforcer. As a Cowboys fan, you absolutely nailed hard knocks. It's Camp Cupcake. Can't watch after the Mojo moment drill. Oh yeah, that was that was brutally awkward. Ladies and gentlemen, let's talk some college football. Let's bring him in from collegefootballnews.com. Kind enough to to be with us for a series, a slew of college football conference previews a couple weeks back. It's Pete ViewTech. How you doing, Peter? I'm doing just fine. I'm embarrassed that
0: I am not more fluent in Big Lebowski. Yeah, me neither. That, that I've seen it. I, I I should, it should be right in my wheelhouse. I love the Cohen brothers, love Jeff Bridges, love uh, uh, all the cast of characters and stuff. It just never, never seen just it. registered with me. It, never it's, seen it. It was, it was good. I just don't remember yeah. it all like everyone else, was, but, but people just live off of it. But uh, uh, I'll have to watch it again because I know too many people who just live on that movie.
1: Yeah, not my... Uh... Not more, n- Nothing relatable to me. I haven't seen it, but I'm, I'm told it's it's The fabulous. stoner culture of yes. a girl Alexander doesn't yes. uh,
0: kick in. Yes.
1: Uh, the Wire. Uh, that I love. This is not so much.
0: All right. Oh, so don't be- get me started on that. Oh, yes.
1: the greatest show ever. Okay. Uh, no. Nicole Gangs Auerbach. Gangs of
0: London, by the way. What's that? Gangs of London. Let's watch <laughs> that. It's done.
1: <better. laughs> okay. Before we get to your week zero or week one picks... Uh, This is the big story today at college football, and I'm going to ask you to sort of decipher what this means. Uh, The Big Ten, Pac-12 at ACC, this is from Nicole Auerbach, are expected to formally announce their alliance today. I believe it's 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern News Conference. Now, schedules are already, as we know, college football made years in advance, so there's nothing imminent in terms of scheduling. But what's your interpretation of this alliance?
0: they're not saying anything it's the pac-12 that's kind of kicked us all in to try to uh figure out how to expand without expanding because they just don't have a whole lot of options now uh commissioner george Kliokov have already said has already said In the next few weeks they're going to come up with their expansion ideas if there's any my guess will be san diego state just makes a whole lot of sense uh i have an article up right now on cfn where uh the one big advantage that this alliance has alliance has over the sec is if they really did combine forces here they dominate the media markets. Because the SEC, I know college football isn't all that big in San Francisco and not necessarily in New York, but they would have like 23, maybe even like, if you don't even count St. Louis, maybe even 24 of the top 30 media markets in the country. Uh, And so if you do this and you combine these forces, you could create a powerhouse that would just crush anything that the SEC would have in terms of the ad buys that could happen off of this.
1: Is that why it's the Big Ten in the ACC, do you think? Because of that very reason?
0: A little bit. I think that's why I think uh, the media, it's all about the media stuff. Plus, in the more instant way, it's about the college football playoffs because what they don't want is now that expansion's about to be here and it was steamrolling, everyone liked it, everyone liked the idea of 12 teams. But then this SEC went and did this, and the last thing these other conferences want is a college football playoff with six conference champions and then six other SEC teams. And if you look at the preseason rankings and kind of, you know, Go forward from there. Well, there's Oklahoma. Uh, you have Georgia. You have Texas A&M. Florida's close. LSU's close. Texas is close. So you don't want that. So I'm guessing this alliance is going to stay to the SEC. Okay, either we're in an all-in revenue share here, which the SEC isn't going to be all hot on, and the other option is saying we're going to limit this to three teams per conference, which the SEC isn't going to be hot on, and or you say, okay, look. All alliance conferences get a minimum of two teams in this. Some way, shape, or form, they're going to collude together to be able to combat the uh, the menacing evil that is the SEC.
1: Yeah, it's a it's you know it's a pretty sexy headline, right? Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC expected to formally announce their alliance, spearheaded by the Pac-12. But then when you actually read it, there wasn't a lot of there there. So uh, we'll find out more today, or we won't, you know, about this.
0: Yeah, they'll figure it out, yeah. though. They'll, they'll have to. They'll get there, and I do think this is really going to expand. And again, the one part about this that that kind of keeps getting lost, I do think the SEC is making a massive miscalculation by thinking people like the SEC more than they do. Uh, you're you're not going to get the average fan watching Ole Miss versus Arkansas. You're gonna get watching the big games, but it's such a regional brand and you can't expand unless you have more than just seven of the top 30 media markets.
1: Okay, let's go to week zero. Week zero and week one picks, your favorite ones. And now you do preface this by saying in FUTAC fashion, you're like, just to be clear, I don't love any of these. Is that correct? The correct analysis? Uh, at least
0: the week zero side, I okay. the week ones. Oh, okay. don't like the week zero.
1: Well, what's your one uh, week zero play? Because we have, only have a handful of games. What what do you like in week in week zero?
0: UCLA, 17.5 uh, over Hawaii. I, I think that Hawaii, you know, they're hit or miss. I, they don't quite have the offense like we're used to. This is not the good old run and shoot uh, days where they're just bombing it all over the yard. This is really more of a, uh, a defensive-minded team under Todd Graham. And I do think the UCLA defense is good enough where I do think that they get to the 17.5. But I like more than that is the under. I don't think this is going to be some wild and crazy shootout. It has come down. I obviously liked it more at 17.5 and a half. Now it's at 68 and a half. Uh, I like the under on this. I think this is going to be a little bit more of a defensive fight than any sort of a shootout.
1: All right. Dr. Bob, by the way, who's been on this show many times, his favorite week zero play is exactly what you just said. He's on UCLA as well. So you two are smart. Simpatico. man, at Doctor Bob. <laughs> All right. And then week one, these, you like a lot better. You're you're after, after backing UCLA, you're turning right around. You're fading the hell out of them.
0: This is one of those things where you just do it because you should. Uh, it's LSU in four points or four and a half, depending on where you're looking. And I know a lot of people smarter than me, I, however that works, who think this is Christmas. This is LSU. You're only giving away four points at UCLA. Not buying in yet. I mean, you a quick fun stat, when, not if, UCLA beats Hawaii in week zero. That's the first non-conference win at UCLA under Chip Kelly. Uh, and now you get LSU coming in LSU is gonna be a whole lot better than it was last year I think that four is is Christmas time
1: all right uh Notre Dame you like laying the points against Florida State the seven and a half
0: it's always tough week one because you're you're still guessing you don't have preseason to go off of you're still waiting for uh to see how these teams mature you're still trying to figure out the quarterback situations at a lot of this place these places I do like the fact that it's uh, in most places it's still six and a half and Florida State until they can prove they can do something which they haven't over the last few years. This is still a team that's missing a whole lot of talent. This isn't your normal Florida State team. Uh, I don't want to get gross here and talk about the emotion of the you know the Bobby Bowden passing and as being any sort of like motivating factor or anything like that. Uh, so they, but I still like Notre Dame to think that this team is just going to be strong enough, especially defensively, to win this thing by a touchdown.
1: Yeah, that's a standalone September 5th, Sunday, September 5th game. Obviously, LSU-UCLA the previous day on Saturday amidst all the games. This one one I'm a little worried about, Pete. I'm not going to lie to you. You like Illinois giving the 6.5 over uh, UT San Antonio. I have a feeling Illinois is going to lay an egg against Nebraska and that this number is going to come down.
0: Very fat. This is going to be interesting uh, because I think they're going to keep it at least close against the Huskers. Uh, this is the pure power five snobbery of me coming in and saying really you're you're giving me only a touchdown to give up against the uh, UT uh, Texas San Antonio. This is a very good roadrunner team actually it gets about everybody back they got a great running back in sincere McCormick. Uh, but this is just me saying Big Ten at home less than a touchdown. Take your shot
1: at it. All right. Rapid fire on the final three. Pick a pick'em game. Syracuse over Ohio.
0: Total snobbery right there. Nothing more than just me being a, a, a power five believer over a
1: Mac team. Total snob, this guy. Total power five stop Pete Futek. It's his brand. Uh, then you're not afraid to lay the wood with Pitt over UMass. 38 points you're laying.
0: UMass is awful. They had an awful spring session or an awful mini session last year with only four games. I think they only got like one touchdown in the final seconds of one game. They still don't have an offense. Pitt probably wins this thing like forty-four to nothing. It'll be a miracle if UMass scores. I think that thirty-eight is actually probably easy and might
1: go up. And then the one you like the most is a Friday, September third game. So the night before the first full Saturday of college football, Duke. Uh, against charlotte you like the blue devils this is your favorite one of, of all of these yeah
0: only six i was shocked at this whenever i do the team previews i, I always just do them first and don't look at the line until after i thought this was going to be like you know 18 to 20 and seeing six and a half I, I was shocked i mean charlotte's okay uh but as long as duke doesn't start turning the ball over like they had a big problem with that last year They're going to be more than fine. They've got enough talent there to be okay. Charlotte's okay, but let's say touchdown again. r 5 snob brand kicking in.
1: Somebody give me a line on Monmouth versus Middle Tennessee State. That's all I want to see. I'm going to pound that. Seven and a half. (laughs) I didn't mean randomly, Pete, I I meant an actual odds maker, but thank thank you for that. Close to the
0: mid, close to the pin, seven and a half.
1: Thank you for giving me perspective on that whole thing. You you sort of came to the same conclusion I did, which is uh, there's not a lot of there there on that Pac-12. Uh, Big Ten ACC report, but we'll find out more today. Thank you, Peter, as always, and I'll send you that text I'm supposed to send you. I know I, I owe exactly. you Exactly. I'm yes. going
0: to pick shame you until you send that. Thank you. <laughs>
1: pick shaming. Thank you, Pete. Appreciate it. There you go. CollegeFootballNews.com, where Pete. Uh, applies his trade. Uh, we have expert picks there, and I am late in getting some to him. I will do that. Next, Q3 Baseball, the quarter poll. Mark Borchard and I do our thing, which we've done for years, look at all kinds of things through a betting lens. That's next. It's a numbers, 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 That's next. It's a number. That's next.